Um, once again, my name is Nick. I'm a compulsive overreader. Uh, I'm also a bulimic. I should qualify that as well. Um, I'm sorry? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm from Flint, Michigan. That's where I was born. Um, I don't like to talk about that much, but uh, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, nobody's there. All right. All right. Can I move this chair? Okay. I'm going to trip on it if I don't move it. Okay. Much better. Okay. Uh, I am from Flint, Michigan. That's where I was born. Um, my family was wise, and they got me out of there really quick when I was about two. Um, when it comes to... But I'll get right to uh, my addiction. You know, when it comes to um, food... Uh, some of my earliest memories of not being happy started happening, you know, just right around, just before puberty or so, uh, 10, or 10, 11, 12 years old. I remember I started to put on weight. I think I was probably fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And uh, I remember, um, I'm, it, I'm, and I'm from a family where we, there's alcoholism in the family. Um, not so much compulsive overeating, but alcoholism for sure. And I remember uh, being about that age, starting to put on some weight, and my first foxhole pl- prayer was in gym, was gym class uh, when I was a kid. Um, you know, I went to public school, and if you went to public school, you probably know that, you know, they don't have uniforms, and so when they had the boys play, you know, soccer or whatever it was, they had a way to determine which team you were on, and they, the gym teacher would go, all right, we're going to go shirts and skins. And my first foxhole prayer, oh, God, please don't make me a skin. Oh, I'm a fat kid and I stand out. Do not make me a skin. You know, you know. I had uh, man boobs, little kid boobs at the time. So it's like that's nothing worse than that. Um, but incredibly self-conscious at a really, really young age. You know, ten, like ten, twelve years old. Uh, at the time, I don't know. Around that age, uh, I also realized that I was probably gay, but I really wasn't sure what that meant at the time. So. Uh, and I was also one of the shortest kids in my class. And what's interesting is being short didn't bother me. You know, for whatever reason, that didn't, that didn't seem to bother me. Being gay really didn't seem to bother me either because I figured, well, you are that way or you're not. And, you know, uh, it, well, for whatever reason, it, uh, I thought, how am I going to handle this in the future? But it didn't really bother me about, you know, internally about who I was. But being fat, that bothered me. And I think the reason for that was is because, at least to me, I felt, well, I have control over that. But somehow, I just can't seem to control myself. And, uh, you know, eating like crazy. Um, I know that uh, my food, my eating has always been um, not normal uh, until, you know, until I, until I got the abstinent uh, was my accident day is uh, September 22nd, uh, 2012. Um, so I haven't been in the program that long. You know, I'm still definitely learning quite a bit. Uh, but until I got abstinence, my eating was always abnormal. Uh, at first, um, you know, starting, like I said, right around 12 or so, up until, wow, uh, up until, uh, geez, after I got out of high school, um, I was a very angry kid um, for a lot of the reasons that I just mentioned. And I would, you know, my mom would make dinner, you know, call everybody on the table. And half the time, I'd go down to, the, I'd go down, grab a plate, go back up to my room and lock the door, you know. So I already had a ritual involved with eating from a very early age. 
you know, I wanted to be isolated from my family. Um, I remember they put me in therapy because I was calling my mother names and just was not being a very nice, not a good kid. Uh, but there was always some kind of ritual involved with food. Um, all through high school, I just kept gaining and gaining until finally, I think my, my top weight um, wasn't, you know, when I came into, to, into the program here. Uh, my top weight was when I was in high school, and I think I was probably about 190. Uh, so not, you know, real big, but I was uh, to the point where, remember, I have a picture. It was the day I was leaving for college. And I'm standing there with my mom, and I look at that picture today, I'm like, wow, you know, I was really, I was really getting up there. Uh, and so I went away to college, and being, being away, uh, it was a very short period of time um, before I uh, discovered, you know, bulimia. And that was, to me, I was so angry at God that I was, I always seemed to stand out. You know, there were other fat kids too, but of course we always think it's just us, at least I did. Um, and and I, so discovering bulimia for me was like a big, you know, middle finger to God. It was like, you know, you're going to make my metabolism like this? Screw you. I will make sure to take care of this. Um, it was a very violent, very angry thing for me. Um, and I, and uh, it's about about the same time in my life I started drinking heavily. I'm, oh, by the way, I'm also an alcoholic. Um, I have a number of years of sobriety in that program. Uh, matter of fact, it's funny, right around the time where I started the bulimia, which was probably eight, no, probably 20, 20 years old. I got sober when I was 22 years old, um, sober from alcohol uh, and drugs and everything else. But... Uh, um, I had taken up the bulimia when I was about 20 years old. Um, I was not, uh, for me, I didn't really have a problem with it. It was just like, okay, you know, this is great. I can eat whatever I want, keep the weight off, not a big deal. Um, you know, uh, it was very, I had to, what I, but what, I, what, I did, what I found for myself was I started to, I had to hide, you know, um, hide the fact that I was doing this from my roommates. Uh, for my, you know, when I was back in town, for my family, and uh, this went on for, well, let me think, I mean, almost 20 years. Uh, this is, and, you know, um, I still to this day, I can't believe I did that that long, you know, working the steps in another program and not even thinking to mention it to my sponsor. It was just like, you know, this was just the way I stay presentable you know, so that I can get laid, basically. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was my solution to that problem. Um, and, uh, you know, God sort of intervened in my life. And this was back in 2012, because my sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I, I moved out to L.A., I don't know, about seven years ago or so. And uh, I liked L.A. Um, plugged into uh, uh, a group... Um, uh, and, and a real strong uh, home group um, and got hooked up with a strong sponsor and the sponsor was very, very honest about all of the things that were bothering him or what, that were uh, the addictions that, that, that troubled him and one of them, he talked about food and part of me uh, was oh God, I could never go to a meeting like that you know, I, wor- I worked the steps in AA I don't need to work them again you know, I'm not, no I, I'm 20 years sober and Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I can just figure out how to apply this to that and just keep going. And, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, 
it was probably about six months before I was actually asking it. I confided to my sponsor, hey, this is what I've been doing. And I've been doing it for a long time. And uh, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I just, um, but I kept doing it for about six months. Um, I was, uh, uh, I went back and forth with it. You know, he would say, well, hey, why don't you come on to a meeting? And I, I got to tell you, in my core, I thought it was so stupid, so stupid, because I didn't want to have to go through this again. I really, I mean, just the, the pride was just really hurting, because I did not want to have to start as a newcomer again. Um, and so I finally came to a meeting. I think my first meeting was, uh, I can't remember what the name of the meeting is, a Sunday morning at 1030, uh, whatever it's called. But, uh, yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> I, went to that, I went to that meeting, and then, then I made the light a candle meeting. You know, that's my regular weekly meeting on Saturdays. Um, and I liked that meeting a lot. But what I found there is there was a lot of really strong... I saw people with like 30, 35 years. I was thinking, wow, this is, you know, unusual for me to see a different fellowship where there's a lot of time. It was pretty cool. Um, at the same time, in the very early meetings, I mean, I was so close to leaving because I just felt it was dumb. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, food? Food doesn't kill you. You know, it's not like alcohol or heroin or something like that. You know, this is, this is stupid. And I was really, really close to walking out. But it was killing me on the inside. I mean, it really was. Um, it was tough. I, I'll say for the first few months, it was difficult because... You know, I came in and I thought, uh, you know, my worst fear is I, I'm going to stop this behavior and immediately, you know, I'm going to blow up, you know, because I don't know any other way to do it. And that didn't happen. Uh, that didn't happen. I'm actually a little bit lighter than I came when I, when I, or than I was when I came into the program. Um, this always bugged me. Why, I was, I was, why do they always say program instead of the program? But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. But, um, somehow, it's like Britain when they say, I'm going to hospital instead of the hospital. I don't get it. But um, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, talk a little bit about you know, what I've been doing to, make, to maintain that. First of all, my abstinence is I absolutely you know, can't throw up. Uh, the second part of my abstinence is I have to check in all my food with my sponsor. You know, Supposed to do it before I eat it, but sometimes I do it at the same time I eat it. Sometimes I do it a little bit after it I eat it. I'm not perfect with that, but uh, I'm checking all my food with my sponsor. For me, I don't have any specific foods that, you know, I can't have, but there are, there are specific foods that I just don't have. Um, I, I mean, there are certain, I won't get into uh, particular foods, but there are foods I see in a grocery store where I know I can't have one, I, I, I just so I just stay away from it. Um, but I don't particularly have a, I don't have a list of things that. Uh, but I eat really really healthy today, and uh, there are days when, you know, for example, I went to this uh, banquet for sobriety, uh, for AA, the other fellowship, and you know, that's one thing about banquets is it's usually like an all you can eat deal, and I hate that. I mean that's that's like. A cruise ships would kill me. Uh, I mean, like somebody, one of my friends in the, in the other program, he had a father that was almost 400 pounds. And uh, he said the problem with my dad is, is that he was cruising all the time and every single meal was all you can eat. And he just blew up. And so, well, I'm supposed to take a cruise with my parents next year. So <laughs> I'm like, thank you for the heads up. You know, I'm going to see if I can find some fellowship there. And uh, uh, hope, hopefully I will. Um, but, you know, this has been really, really cool. Now I can actually say I have not, you know, I have not, you know, 
grown up and I have not exercised. Okay? Um, I have not exercised in bulimia at all since uh, September 22nd of 2012. Um, I've been checking in my, my food with my sponsor. Um, I've been working with, uh, working with uh, other folks uh, in this program. It's interesting because I find out that uh, this one's actually, to me, as much as I thought it was like dumb, this program was harder. You know, the folks that I work with this in this program, this is harder to get for a lot of people than AA was for me. You know, and uh, for me, I, I uh, and maybe maybe some of it's the same reason that I have is I really thought the credits should transfer, and that's something my sponsor is fond of saying is is uh, you, you can't. I'm like, well, I've, you know, I've done I've done the first step. I'm powerless. Well, you haven't done it on food. You know, you haven't realized. You know, are you asking God for help every day? You know, there are still days when I forget to ask that. You know, that is the most helpful thing. My sponsor gave me a great prayer. He said, you know, before every meal, say, please let it be enough. Please let it be enough. You know, and I, sometimes I'll be in the cafeteria at work and I'll, I'll be looking at something. I'm like, I don't think that's quite going to do it. You know, and I'll, it's so strange because whenever I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to get that. If I need something else, I can always come back, you know, and I'll get that and I'll say that prayer and I don't come back. It's fine. Um, but if I don't ask God for help, if I'm doing that uh, seven step the wrong way, which is I can remove my own defects of character and, you know, trying to, by brute force, uh, you know, get, get abstinent, um, it doesn't really work that way. You know, I find myself obsessing about my weight like every single day and every single moment and, oh my God, I gained a pound. And, I mean, oh, that's another thing I should mention. I was a compulsive wearer. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I talked to one guy that said he, he weighed himself five times a day. I'm like, okay, I don't. I'm not sure that I was there, but every single day I weighed myself. And if I went up, if I was if I was going up, I would really, really freak out. Um, my reaction was so out of proportion to what was actually going on. I mean, it was just ridiculous how it would it would affect my mood for the entire day. Um, uh, one more thing I forgot to mention since I still have a few minutes, um, is uh, one thing when I was uh, bulimic that I think is really, really, really important to bring up is that I had this ritual where, uh, like for example, I had a roommate actually just moved out, but I had this roommate and my plan, if I was going to engage in bulimia, my plan was let me go out and get my favorite foods, you know, let me get like a burger and some ice cream and some just everything, you know, why not? You know, you don't have to pay for it, why not? Um, it's like stealing. Uh, so I'd get all this stuff and I'd bring it home from work and I'd be, I'd be so ready. I'd be excited. You know, that'd be like my, that's just like I'm getting my fix. And it really was like a drug. You know, I'm getting my fix. And I'd bring all this stuff in the apartment and I'd see my roommate there and he's supposed to be at school or he's supposed to be at work. And I don't know how many folks in the room can relate to it, but my first reaction is, what the hell are you doing here? You know, you're getting in the way of my ritual. You know, and I'd start getting all passive aggressive and taking it, taking it out on him. He had no idea what was going on. You know, I'd be like, aren't you supposed to be at school? And he'd be like, whoa, you know, no, we have a day off today. It's, you know, um, oh, hey, Bill. Um, it's, uh, you know, or some kind of holiday or whatever. And, uh, and I would get all sorts of passive aggressive. And, you know, I've, ex- I've made my amends to him since then and said, hey, this is kind of what was going on. Um, but I needed that privacy so that I could, you know, engage in my ritual and, uh, uh, you know, and then take care of things. Um, 
I, I, that's important to explain because, like I said, it was so ritualistic. All the stuff that I went through was... Um, and today there are days when I overeat a little bit. Um, not usually a ton, but like that banquet I was talking about, the class. Um, sometimes I overdo it a little bit. And there's a part of me that's like, you could just get rid of it. And like, but there's another part that says, you know what? This time that I have in this program is really important to me. You know, putting together over two years is really important to me. And there are times in Alcoholics Anonymous when I wanted to drink. And the only thing that kept me from drinking was, you know what? You've done it for, for however period of time, you know? You don't want to start again. You know, keep it clean. Just keep going, you know? This is going to pass. You know, so what if you overrate a, overrate a little bit? It's all right, you know? Uh, you can, you know, you, you just need to get back on track. You don't have to go out and compulsively exercise yourself to death, which I can do as well. Um, and, you know, things will be all right. Um, Let's see. So, you know, today I, uh, you know, I, I call my sponsor every day, do an inventory with my sponsor every day, uh, check in my food. Um, I'm lucky that I have exactly the same sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous as I do in uh, uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Um, that means that I can't talk to two sponsors and figure out which answer I like the best and do that, which is silly. And I knew I kind of had to do that because I will do that. If I have two sponsors, I'll find the one that, that, that tells me that I can date the newcomer. That's cool, you know, or whatever, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll find that. But, uh, you know, that's uh, about all I've got. So I guess I'll give a few minutes back to the meeting. Thanks for having me. Sit down now? Stand up, sit down. Should I sit down or stand up now? Okay, stay stand up. Okay. Oh, I have things to read. Okay. All right. My gosh, I'm tripping over myself. Okay. Uh, there is no break at this meeting. We will now pass the basket for our seventh edition. A donation of $3 is suggested, but any amount would be greatly appreciated. David. David. Okay. Can we read the 12th tradition? Yeah. All right. I've asked David to read the 12th tradition. Hey, I'm David, composed of Reader Hey, David. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon LA unity. Two, for our true purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive OA leader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems with money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be totally self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 
Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous with no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle back here. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my, of me are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. It's being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. For for myself, um, there are some steps where I do not have to work as thoroughly as I did in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, for example, my four step. You know, a lot of the things that went on my four step, I don't have to go over again because they were covered when I did that. Um, having and some of the amends, the ninth step. Um, most of the other steps, actually, all of the other steps are new. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I just substitute, you know, food uh, or uh, compulsive reading uh, instead of the word alcohol uh, when it comes to the steps. But uh, like I said, there's only really two that uh, I get a little bit of a break on. Well, four, five, and nine. No, four, five, eight, and nine, my bad. Um, uh, those steps, uh, there are, you know, there's maybe a little bit of cleanup to do with those steps, but not, not, not a whole lot. Everything else is brand new, though. Thank you very much. Um, I don't believe I coined that phrase, the credit don't transfer, but, uh, <laughs> but my addition is the study has its help. You know, and uh, so my question is, uh, when somebody had a different, difficult family of origin and difficult early life, could you talk about the amends you may have made to your family of origin members? Okay. Um. First, if I gave the impression that I had a difficult family, that would be probably incorrect. I actually have a really good family. Uh, I've got a couple of great brothers. My parents are great. Um, there is some alcoholism in my family. Um, but fortunately for me, it's not the kind of alcoholism that was violent or uh, uh, otherwise, you know, family-destroying. Uh, and it's still there, unfortunately, today. Um, you know, as far as my amends, you know, having to go... Uh, first of all, this is a living amends. I, you know, I just can't engage in that behavior, whether it comes to alcohol or uh, the compulsive overeating. I just can't do that because um, I was, you know, distancing my family when I did either one of those things. I didn't want them around. Uh, secondly, you know, talking to members of my family the way, like I mentioned, like the way I used to treat them. You know, when I used to just, uh, you know, go off by myself to eat or go off by myself to drink. It's interesting. The two main things: eating and drinking. The human beings do. You know. Uh, so it's much more of a living amends, though. Um, my uh, my amends for to my family were mostly handled through my amends in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and 
I have not done an eating amends with my family. I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of came together when I did my amends. Like I said, my, my eighth and ninth steps were mostly covered in AA. Um, you know, maybe I'll talk to my sponsor and see if there's anything that needs to be done. But I haven't done anything like that yet so far related to food with my family. I'm sorry? Oh. You know, that's a really good question. And the question is, uh, how did joining OA affect your relationship with a higher power? And the reason I love that question is because in Alcoholics Anonymous, I could see the immediate effect of not drinking alcohol. I don't get DUIs anymore. I don't get pull over anymore. I don't wake up going, oh my God, I slept with who? Her? You know, that's when I drank way too much. Um, you know. That actually happened a couple of times. What I, I, I don't even know what to tell you. But uh, what's funny is in the future, taking fifth steps from other folks, I've heard the opposite story. I'm like, I can relate. I'm not going in the same way. Anyway, uh, but the question about, about God is, in AA, I can see the fruits of my actions. You know, my life has gotten so much better simply by not drinking. You know, working the steps makes it much better. Um, but the God thing, when it comes to Overeaters Anonymous, if I try to work this program without God and just not overeat, I go crazy. I can't do it. I have to ask God for help. I asked God for help, you know, on my knees this morning, saying, please, you know, uh, help keep me abstinent today. You know, my meals help them be enough. Uh, so I have found that I've had to ask for more help in this program than I did in AA. Um, it's, for me, it's a, li- a lot more subtle. Like this... This disease for me is a lot more subtle. Um, Question was, why do I think I needed to hole up in my bedroom uh, when I was a child? That's a really good question. You know, I was 15 to 18 or so. I mean, I know a lot of, for a while I taught kids that were around that age and uh, I get it, you know, going through, you know, that age, that time of life. I know a lot of kids get distance from their parents. and um, I'm not sure that I can give you a great answer to that except for adolescence. Um, for me, obviously, uh, it was probably a little bit more uh, obnoxious. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I uh, Adolescence and in, 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 in a, a, both a food... A food addiction. I didn't have an alcohol addiction then. I actually didn't start drinking until I was about 16 or so. But, uh, you know, uh, the food addiction in adolescence, I would chalk it up to that. My sponsor is making it really difficult for me to paraphrase that question. <laughs> it's like an hour long. So. Anyway, um, so uh, the question is uh, from uh, the question is when life gets difficult. You know, recently uh, he's alluding to uh, there have recently been two two close friends. One of them was my best friend who took their own life within the past three months in my life. Uh, and both of them had been roommates of mine at one time or another. 
Um, so I was close, to, very close to both of these, both of these guys. Um, and that, in addition to you know other stuff that happens in life, you know, how do you stay close to God when uh, when that stuff is going on? Um, it, it, you know, it's hard at first because uh, especially when my best friend went, you know, it's hard to, to ask that question. Well, what in the hell can be the reason for this? If everything happens for a reason. This is ridiculous. Um, and that's kind of where faith comes in, you know. It, either I believe or I don't, you know. And I, I can't give you a reason for it. And no, nobody can say, well, this is why it happened. They can't. You know, that's why they call it faith. If they called it, if, you know, if there were a reason for it, they'd call it logic. It's not called logic and it's called faith. Um, so, you know, I just have to have faith. That God, like in, like uh, uh, at the beginning of the question, you know, God is everything. I have to believe that. You know, I, I had a tough week this week. I had uh, my other friend took his life, uh, you know, on Wednesday night. Um, and he was, so much help was offered, too. I mean, it, it, this guy reached out to everybody. All this help was offered. And, you know, it didn't, no human power, you know. Um, but he took his life on Wednesday. On Tuesday, the guy that I've been seeing broke up with me. Um, um, you know, I mean, it's all small stuff. Well, acceptable suicide. Um, the guy, that's, that's small stuff. But it's been a rough week. Um, and so, uh, the other way to stay close to God is, uh, you know, last night I was at a meeting and I just lost it. I was so upset with all the stuff that happened this week. And I had to just bring it to a set of people that I trust. You know, some friends that I trust and say, this is what's going on. I need help. I'm hurting. I really need help. Uh, so, you know, through you guys, I talk how I stay close to God, too. Thanks. Thank mm-hmm. Okay. What is, the question is, what does my physical recovery look like? Do you mean as far as, like, my weight? Or? Oh, okay. Well, I guess... Uh, the way I would answer that is that at first I was pleasantly surprised that when I wasn't throwing up, I had enough discipline to say, well, hey, if you're not going to throw up, you better not overeat because you're going to have to pay for it. Right? And I have been able to do that with God's help um, almost, almost always. Like I said, there's been a few days where I knew I ate too much and I just got to sit with it. And that's the hard, those are the hardest days when I got to sit with it. It's like, oh, God. <clears throat> you, know, I, it's, you know, it's almost like a hangover uh, when, I, when, I, when I do that. Um, as far as, like, you know, physically, I came in about three, four pounds heavier than I am right now. Um, it's been frustrating for me because I've always been able to lose weight really fast. Like, because I can exercise like crazy, you know, get myself in real good shape, eat a thousand calories a day, and I'm trim and fit and looking great. Um, in this sobriety, I think it probably has more to do with age than sobriety, but I'm over 40 now, and... Even if I do all that stuff, it's like, damn, you know, this is, I'm losing like 20% of the weight that I used to lose when I would do the same thing. Um, so, you know, phys- physical recovery, uh, I guess is not as important to me, like, as my emotional recovery. That's where I really struggle, is, you know, the emotions and the food. This week with, uh, you know, particularly with the, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Barrett and, and the boyfriend, I, my immediate reaction, I'm one of those people, I don't want to eat. I want to starve myself. You know, I don't want to eat when I get depressed like that, when stuff in life happens like that. It's like the last thing I want to look at is food. Um, and it's, I have to 
try to stay away from that behavior because I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an anorexic, but uh, that, that's kind of dangerous for me too to just sit there and just not eat. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate to the fat kid and the gyms and all that in your relationship. Um, the, the, the question is, is uh, in my relationship today, is do I have a fear of intimacy because uh, because of the, the, the fat issue, um, you know, being naked with somebody else? Um, if the answer is not not really anymore, um, uh, I first of all I'm over forty, so you know I'm not going to have a twenty year old body, and that's just not going to happen anymore. So you know, and I realize that most of the people you know that I'm dating now are in the same boat. It's like, so I don't, I don't really feel that self-conscious because they're not perfect either, you know. Uh, and that has actually been like the least of my, uh, of my worries. Um, but it used to be, uh, it's a good question because that was, you know, particularly in my 20s, um, you know, I was always just, you know, really scared that, uh, uh, you know, because even though I had lost weight through the bulimia, I mean, uh, you know, I still had a... a at least an extent of man boobs, and it was just like, I just, I was really, really self-conscious. Um, that's a really good question. Um, today, not, not as much. Um, I think maybe some, maybe some of it just has to do with the emotional recovery, and, uh, uh, and also that, uh, you know, the belief that, like, God is everything, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> if, 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 if I'm not, if somebody isn't okay with me like that, then, hey, man, I'm sorry God's playing too, so, thanks. Okay. Uh, the question is, can I uh, can I explain my morning routine? Uh, okay. Well, um, yeah, I assume you mean meditation, prayer, that kind of thing. Uh, okay. Um, when I get up, I would I usually take a shower first. Then I come back to my room and make my bed. Um, I say that because it's part of a ritual that I have, where as soon as my bed's made. Then I get on my knees. I mean, as soon as I pull like the covers down and straighten, then I get on my knees. It's like, and so I I know what to do every morning. You know, so it was suggested to me in the other program that some people put their shoes under the bed, so in the morning when they remember to get them, they're already on their knees. Uh, whatever. Um, I just thought that was way too corny. I could never do that. So, and, and it is. It is. Um, but uh, no, I, and I you know I ask it for God's help. I usually say the, uh, uh, the seven step prayer. And, uh, and then I'll say kind of a personal prayer. Like today I did that when I woke up. And I just, you know, I'm having a problem letting go of this guy that dumped me because I'm hurting. I'm really hurting. I'm feeling I'm not good enough for him. And so I'm like, God, you know, please, please take, take this situation from me. Because uh, I'll sit there and obsess about it all day. My sponsor will tell you I was doing that last night. And uh, it's small stuff. You know, God's making room for somebody else. And uh, so I ask, usually I'll say a little personal prayer too in the morning. And on some mornings, I don't do, I'm not perfect about this, but on some mornings, I'll read the meditation in that uh, the OA 24-hour uh, book. Thanks. Five minutes. Okay. Huh? One more time. The question is, what has changed most in my life, uh, whether it's relationships or work, uh, since coming to OA. And it's interesting. Boy, I never really thought about that before. But in the last two years since I've been in OA, I've dated more than I ever have in my entire life. Um, 
I think a lot of it has to do with the confidence that I'm not hiding anything. You know, I, I'm a hider. You know, when it, when it came to my drinking, I wanted to hide that from my parents. When I started losing my hair at the age of 22, I have a driver's license picture where I'd be happy to show you. I decided to go to the hair club for men for 11 years, which is really a stupid decision. Um, but I'm, I wanted to hide it. I was so ashamed I wanted to hide it. Um, maybe that uh, gets to uh, David's question earlier about, you know, I was terrified somebody would find out, right? So I was, I, that, that's why I really relate to that question. Was, but I finally got rid of that a few years ago. Um, uh, and now I forgot the question. I got, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've dated more than I ever have. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm not hiding. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing up anymore. Don't have to hide that. Um, I, I the, the, you know, this relationship I just got out of, I was honest with him about being in the other program as well. Um, he was in one program. I, you know, not in this one, but I was honest with him about that. And I'm, I just, I like the fact that I don't have to hide anymore. And that's, that's probably what's changed the most. It's really affected the, um, I've been promoted twice at work in the last two years. Is it a coincidence? There's a reason for everything, you know, so I don't know. I, I can't directly say yes, it was because, but it, it's what's happened. So. Thank you, Nick. Would you talk about step six and seven, the therapy that Oh, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, step six and seven, that's a great question, because in the other program, I used to get to step five and work step four and five, and then done. Be like, I don't know what to do next. Um, uh, I love, I, I'm still very close friends with my first sponsor, but I never really got direction about what to do at that point. And so I would always peter out in the program, and I'd never get to eight and nine. Um, once I moved to different sponsorship later on, um, uh, they would get me to work on it immediately after step five, you know. And to me, uh, uh, the way it was explained to me and the way I work, it, it was like an immediate process, you know. Once you're done with five, six, like it says in the in the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it's, you do it immediately. That's what, at least that's what it says. Um, step seven is the one that I always trip on. Uh, step six, am I ready to have my defect, uh, all my character defects removed? Um, there's some that I do want to hang on to. You know, I'll ask God to remove it, but there's a part of me that's like, eh, that's okay. You can leave that one there for a while. You know, but. Uh, but step seven is the one that I really I trip on most, and that's that's because I misinterpret it. I mean, I can, like I said earlier, I can read that in my head to be saying, you know, uh, we humbly removed our defects of character, which makes no sense at all. But uh, I will try to remove my own defects of character, and you know, bang on it with a hammer, and they don't go anywhere. Um, especially with this program, I, I just need uh, I need to ask God, and sometimes I get frustrated when God doesn't take it right away. Um, you know, like this thing with, uh, you know, this being hurt by this relationship or whatever. I'm like, take it now. You know, I want the hurt to be over now. And one of my friends told me last night, you know, sometimes God just wants you to sit there and feel it. You know, but, uh, anyway. I think you got like one minute. Okay, the question is, since I came to OA, what has changed as far as self-care? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Because when I was, when I was you know, binging and purging before, 
you know, a big part of that was, you know, brushing and uh, mouthwash and, you know, so I was like so constantly vigilant about that because nobody could, I didn't want anybody to figure out what was going on. Um, you know, today, you know, although I do still do those things, I don't have to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm taking much better care of my body because I'm not, oh, you know, self-care and for me, it's, it's you know, the hygienics pretty much always been the same, which is good. Um, but self-care as far as the kind of food I put into my body has really gotten better. And I just got my results back from my doctor and uh, his first comment was, if I didn't know who you were and I just saw your results, I would guess you're probably 18 or 19 years old. I was like, all right. It's really awesome, yeah. And uh, and I love it. It's because I don't, you know, the, the fatty foods, the fried foods, the, I mean, none of it goes, goes inside of me, not anymore. Um, and I, I like that, you know. So that self-care uh, is, has been uh, the biggest, the biggest thing. Okay. Thank you. Yeah.